I mentioned in my prayer that God could direct in the service. So I greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Desire that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, would guide the message this morning. Title of the message this morning is Your Father. I hope that leaves you a little bit of a question in your mind. Because I want to talk about fathers this morning. And I know from the past and have experienced the blessing of a godly father. And I've seen the results of lives that have been deeply hurt by not having a godly father. But there's more to it than that. In Ephesians 3, verse 14, passage I read the last time I preached, it says this, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And I don't know what all is contained in that in verse 15 there, where it says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. But it's obvious that God is the author of family. And He takes in that the place, the role of Father. It says the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I have a couple of verses here I want to read to you. Three passages. Psalm 103.13 like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, and he remembereth that we are dust. And then Malachi 3.17 And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a, son, as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then Luke 11. 11 if, a son shall say, if, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father... Will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for his fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now in each of these passages, in each of those three passages, there's something that's a thread that's together in those three passages or is the same. Do you know what it is? It's a comparison. And each one of those are a comparison. And it says that like a father relates to his son, so God relates to those who fear Him. To those who are His children. So God is taking a relationship, God in His Word is taking a relationship that we understand, a relationship of father and son. And He is comparing it to how He relates. He's using it to show what He is like. As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son. And then, if you know how to give good gifts, how much more do I know how to give good gifts? 
So that relationship is showing us something about God. And what's interesting and sobering is that as a child matures, their view of God is often based on the character of their father. Isn't that an awesome responsibility as a father? What is, what is your child going to see in God? What about our limitations? In that passage in Luke, it says, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts. So what about our limitations? What about our failures as fathers? What about the places where I fail? Are my children going to be destined to a skewed image of God because of my failures as a father? I heard a story this past week, sad story, about a man who grew up in a home that was abusive. And he hated it. And as a man, he was abusive as a father in his home. And he asked the question, how did I get to the place where I was what I hated? So it's not just the fact that we have a skewed image of God, but the potential possibility of destructive behavior coming out of that. Wrong behavior coming out of that image. So are my children destined to live out my failures as a father? I thought it was interesting. What? No. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. I thought it was interesting that Brian said I can't I couldn't command my children to be what I wasn't. And yet, what is the standard? Are they destined? Joe said no. The answer to that question is in your father. You see, who is your father? Ben read Psalm 78 verses 1 through 8. And it talked about God being part of a generational experience. That the people would know God and then they would tell their children and, and, and pass on the praises of Him to, to future generations. And you see there needs to be your children need something more than just the truth that you find they need the truth of God they need to experience the truth of God the illustration of looking at a father and son is not the only illustration that God uses by which to give us direction and what he's like in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus reverses the comparison Instead of looking at human relationships to see God, he points to God's relationship with man and what God does in relation to man to show us how we should live. In Matthew 5, verse 43, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, 
Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth his rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And so he's showing us, he's pointing out that this is how God relates. And that's how you should relate to others. And you have a perfect example in him. An example of perfection. And I'm calling you to that example of perfection. So if I'm going to be a good father and to help my children to see God for who he is, I'm going to need to walk with God and to take on his character and to take on his heart. In fact, that's true for all of us. If we're going to show God to anyone, we're going to have to take on his character and take on his heart. So the message this morning is not just for fathers. It's for all of us. And we're not going to have to take on his character and heart. But it's going to have to flow out into our actions. So our actions are like his actions, because this passage here in Matthew is actually calling us to actions like God's. That come out of his heart come out of who he is that ye may be children of your father which is in heaven is he your father this morning the father who gives the perfect example to follow i want to take a look this morning at some of the aspects of the heart of god some different aspects of the heart of god and how they are important in relation to our relationships as fathers as mothers, as brothers and sisters in the church, as people in the community. There's a little, Steel Waters puts out a little booklet called The Father Heart of God. And some of my thoughts and scriptures this morning come out of this. This is a message preached by Dale Heisey. It's transcribed. And uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these points because I have a lot of them. But I hope that they can connect with your heart. And if they stand out to you, that you can think about them and study them. And your relationship with God can be can grow. His heart of love. I preached about this two weeks ago. I don't have a whole lot to say about it other than in chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 14, and I just, 14 and 15, I just read a little bit about God being the author of the family. It says in the next following verses that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. I'm going to stop there. The love of God, God's love is the basis, the fundamental foundation of his actions. That's the root of what He does. What He does is because of His love for us. And it's described here in this passage through the love of Christ, through the sacrificial act of Christ coming to save us by giving His life. 
And I just ask you this question. Do, you, do those around you know that the decisions that you make are based on sacrificial love? And Brian asked, asked or talked about how, how do we establish this idea of obedience that's not because I have to, but because I want to. And personally, I believe that the answer to that is by establishing a love relationship with your child. And through that love relationship, they begin to want to because they see in you that the reason why you're making those decisions is because you love them and you want the very best for them. And that's the heart of God. Another aspect of God's heart is His value of us despite our limitations. Malachi 3, verses 16 and 17. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before Him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon His name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. God sees in His, poten in his children the potential of jewels. He says, I'm going, when I make up my jewels, these are who it's going to be. And these were limited human beings. And God saw in them the value of jewels. In Romans 4.17, it says that He's the God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. You have a value. I see a potential in you. When Brian was talking about his son, he said that... that um, he, he, he saw what he wanted his son to be. You see, that's a future value. It's not particularly, yes, he loves him for who he is now, but he sees a value beyond, a value that he could be. And do the people around us know that we value them despite their limits and imperfections? Do they know that our love doesn't stop when they fail? Because God's love for us doesn't stop when we fail. John said in a class that he taught on reaching out that we often value people for their performance. That's who they are right now. But do we see beyond their performance to a value that lies beyond who they could be? That's the heart of God. He loves us anyway. Another aspect of God's heart is His heart of pity. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. This is in Psalm 103. And then in that context, He says, as a father, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. For He knoweth our frame, and He remembereth that we are dust. God had pity on us. He pitied me and saved me when I was away from Him in sin. He pitied me. And He reached out in that pity to me. Isaiah 63, 8-11 For He said, Surely they are My people, children that will not lie. So He was their Savior. In all their affliction He was afflicted, and the angel of His presence saved them. In His love and in His pity He redeemed them, and He bare them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and vexed His Holy Spirit. Therefore he was turned to be their enemy, 
and he fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old, and his people saying, Where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? God was afflicted when they were afflicted. And they turned away from him and suffered the consequences of that. But he remembered them. And he reached out to them and redeemed them. He was their redeemer. In their pain and in their pity. And in their failure. It's a story in this book that I thought was a good one. I had to preach on Sunday night. So the children were going doing the milking and I was in the study getting the sermon ready. You know, it's pretty important to get a sermon ready. You have to study. I was, as I was studying, the same boy came, and he was referring to a boy he told a story about a little bit earlier. The same boy came into study with a cat. The mother cat had four kittens. So each of the four children claimed one of these kittens. This was his kitten. So you can picture this, if you're, especially if you're a parent, you can picture this. There's, it worked out perfect. There were, the mother cat had four kittens, and each one of the children got to claim a kitten. That worked out perfect. And here was this little boy with this kitten. One of the children had rolled the milk house door shut and pinched the cat. My son said to me, Daddy, can you fix my cat? Well, I said, her neck is broken. She's dead. Take her outside. The broken-hearted boy carried the cat out and laid it on the porch. By that time, the Spirit of God smote my heart, and I realized what I had done wrong. I realized how serious it was for him and how I'd offended him by not taking an interest in that cat. I got up out of my chair, and I followed him outside. By this time, he'd picked the cat up and was going out. We had a big oak tree behind the house. He laid the cat down in the shade under the oak tree. I said, no, son, the cat must go out. The cat is gone. Let's go out. I followed him out in the woods. He laid down the cat out there. I'm not a father unless I can feel in my heart what that boy feels when he lays his cat down. Not very long after that, I saw the same boy lying under a tree in the shade with a sheet over top of him. If we want to have the heart, the father heart of God, suffer with those who are suffering, weep with those who weep, feel the affliction that others feel because God feels the affliction of the afflicted. That is the heart of God. It may seem like a little insignificant thing to us. Or maybe it seems like it's a result of their bad choices. But God feels the pain of those who feel pain. Another aspect of God is His seeking heart. In Luke 19, 9 and 10, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, talking to Zacchaeus, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. To seek and to save. This is talking about time and effort. It's talking about taking the time to pick up the shattered pieces and doing the hard work to fix what we didn't break and mend what we didn't tear. See, that's what Jesus came to do. To seek and to save that which was lost. To bind up the brokenhearted. He didn't break their hearts. They're brokenhearted because of their choice. To give deliverance to the captives. What's in your heart in relation to your relationships? 
Who's doing the work? Are you doing the work? Do you see it as your responsibility to do the work? The heart of God always takes the first and biggest step to heal that relationship. It's the seeking heart of God. Another aspect of his heart is his knowing heart. In Isaiah 64, 7 and 8. And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us, and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, thou art our father, and we are the clay, thou art the potter, and we are the work of thy hand. He's our creator, and he knows us. He knows who we are. He designed us, and He knows us throughout. There's another story in here that's really good. A young man was in fifth grade. He had 11 sisters, and he was the only brother. It was a large family of 12 children. When school was dismissed, the parents came to pick up the children. It was fall, and the walnuts had fallen off the tree. They were those great big black walnuts with their green shells on the outside. When one of the fathers came in, there with a big beat up old Ford station wagon car. They made, they kind of made fun of this old man. They took a bunch of walnuts and rolled them down his exhaust pipe. They just filled that exhaust pipe up with walnuts. When he went to his, to start his car, it wouldn't start. The boys all sat, all said that Earl did it. I got a hold of Earl and took him out to the driver and told him to apologize to the driver. We were standing outside looking into the window where the driver was sitting. About that time, Earl's mother came walking up and stood beside Earl. I thought I had better give an explanation. I quickly explained what had happened and said, I've asked him to apologize to the driver. And I think I missed a little bit in this passage here in Isaiah. I don't know. So he's telling this story on the basis of actually a passage in Isaiah 63 um, where it says that though Abraham forget us, though Abraham our father forget us, you know us, Lord. Um, and so he's telling us on that basis and that comes in here in the story. Though Abraham be ignorant of us, our father is not ignorant. Did you read the verse? It's not about Earl. It's about the father. Earl couldn't say it. He didn't admit it and apologize. Edna, his mother, looked down at Earl and said, he told you to say it, Earl, so you may say it. Then she said, when she said that, he said it. Something told me there was an error. Something was not right. I found out later the mother knew her son had not done it, and he was afraid to tell a lie. That's why he wouldn't confess it. But she said to him, he asked you to do it, so you may do it. And he did it. That mother knew the heart of her son. And God knows your heart this morning. He has a knowing heart. And He knows all about us. And He loves us anyway. Isn't that amazing? That He knows all about us. And He loves us anyway. Is that your heart to the people around you? Because the people around you long to be known and understood and then loved anyway. The reason we don't want to tell people about who we are is because we're afraid at the end of telling them who we are, we won't be loved. 
But God loves them anyway. And that's the heart of God. He also has a giving heart. In Matthew 7, 11, it says, If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? And I know where I fit in that verse. If ye then being evil part. Limited. Short-sighted. And I want to give my children the very best. I do. If that's the case, then how much more An infinite amount more. God wants to give His children the best. There's a quote from George MacDonald I thought about as I was thinking about this. Man finds it hard to get what he wants because he does not want the best. God finds it hard to give because He would give the best and man will not take it. God wants to give us the best. He doesn't want to settle for something less than that. And He wants to give us the best. And then this poem from Annie Johnson Flint. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, He addeth His mercy. To multiplied trials, His multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed His provision. Our God ever yearns His resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting availing. The Father, both thee and thy load, will not bear. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto men. For out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth and giveth and giveth again. And that's our Father. And He has given to us. And do we give to others because of our faith in His limitless supply? Is that our heart? He has a heart for loving correction. In Hebrews 12, verse 5 through 9, says this, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be subject unto the Father of spirits and live? You see, correction is redirecting the course. It's putting, taking a person from one course and putting them on another course. And it's saying there at the end that when we're subject to God and His correction, we're being taken from a wrong course and taken to a course where we can live. A course of life. You know what's easiest? It's easiest to do nothing. It's easiest to let the person go their own way. At least it's easier at the moment. But is it love? It's not love. You see, love wants to bring people to the right course. Love wants to see people live. Because the heart behind that love is redemption. It's redemptive correction. And that's the kind of heart we need to have when somebody is wrong. 
We need to have a heart of redemption. A heart that's corrective, but not just to bring the hammer down, but to correct in love. To help in love. God also has a heart of adoption. In Romans 8, verses 14 through 17, it says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And of children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Is He your Father? You see, if He is, He's adopted you and given you a place right alongside His biological Son, a joint heir with Christ. Do you have a heart of adoption? Do you want each of your children to know that they have a special place in your family, that they belong. Do you want each person who attends here to know that they belong to this church family? Do you have a heart of adoption? Do you want the people in this community to be adopted into the family of God and into this church family? That's what God wants. That's His heart. He has a heart of adoption. He wants to bring us into His family. He wants us to be included. He wants us to know that we're part of His family. Now that doesn't cover all about the heart of God, but it covers some of them. And I want to bring, it, bring this to a conclusion. So if we are going to show God to anyone, I've said this earlier, we're going to need to take on the heart and character of God and to live that out in our behavior patterns as He lived them out. In the Old Testament, it talks about the sins of the Father being passed on to future generations. Now, I don't, think, I don't believe it's talking about the actual sins. I think it's talking about the patterns of sin being lived out in future generations of those who hate God. Because fathers are form are and, and mothers too, but we're talking primarily about fathers this morning, are guiding their children through very formative years. And when all that those children have to look to is their limited, imperfect father, those imperfections are going to continue to grow generation after generation after generation. <laughs> unless somehow that cycle is broken. Brian talked about a transfer of responsibility in our children. And there needs to be that. But along with that transfer of responsibility needs to be a transfer of faith. From the time when that child looked at that father and said, I want to be just like him. There's going to come a time when he starts to recognize the limits and failures of his father. There needs to be a transfer of faith to a heavenly father. 
And that perfect father wants to break the cycle of brokenness. He calls us to be as he is. Second Corinthians 3.18 But we all with open face behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank You that You are the perfect Father. That You have revealed Yourself to us. And that You have given us an example that we can follow. An example by which we can break the cycles of brokenness through faith in You. Through faith in the work of Your Son Jesus who died and rose again so that we can experience eternal life. So that we can take the path of life. Oh Father, help us to be subject to You, the Father of spirits, and live. Guide us by Your Spirit. And as we gaze at You, Father, may we be changed into that same image from glory to glory by Your Spirit. So Father, I just ask that You would especially bless God, give grace to the fathers this morning that we could guide our families to a knowledge of You. And through that, they could experience faith in their generation and fulfill Your call in their lives. So Father, just be with us as a congregation. Help us to be a light and a testimony of that in this community. In Jesus' name, Amen.